بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد. So we continue with our reading into Kitab al-Tawheed and we came to the end of the first chapter and that chapter was titled The Right of Allah Upon the Servants and the Servants' Right Upon Allah and we worked through a number of evidences that the Imam he brought for this for this chapter heading or that which he intended to highlight to us in this book of his the very first thing he highlighted to us is the fact that the right of Allah upon us is instead of me telling you I'll ask you in the form of a question what is the right of Allah upon his servants Naam to worship him alone Naam to worship him alone is there any other way we can we can describe that which has been mentioned Naam to worship Allah and to stay away from ascribing anything as a partner to him for the brothers who uh, we're hoping there'll be the screen on this side. We, ha we had a temporary, uh, we've got a temporary problem with that screen. So inshallah, by next week, there'll be, there'll be uh, a second screen there, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, but if you, if you like, you can move on to this side. Naam. Tayyib. Tawheed, who can, who can summarize for us very quickly and very briefly the three categories of Tawheed? Naam. Naam. Which means Tawheed al Uluhiyah, which means. What does that mean? Naam. Naam. So in English. In English, Tawheed al Uluhiyah. Yes, Zak. Naam. Just worship. Worship of what? To single out Allah with worship. That is Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. Tayyib. Only one type of Tawheed? Hmm? Tawheed al-Rububiyya. Or Tawheed al-Rububiyya. Naaman, what is that? The oneness of Allah as it relates to his actions. Or we can say the oneness of Allah uh, in his lordship. Tayyib. One more category. Naam. The Tawheed of Allah in His Asma and His Sifat, in His names and in His attributes. Tamam. Uh, so we work through a number of verses that the Imam he brought, verses from the Book of Allah, the Quran. He also brought for us uh, some ahadith going back to the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When we say hadith, What's the meaning of hadith? What is a hadith? What is a hadith? Naam, it's something that informs us about something that the Messenger of Allah 
وسلم, said only something he said hmm? his actions also his attributes and his silent approvals meaning that which was done in his presence and he didn't disapprove so a hadith tells us something about the Prophet as it relates to that which he said that which he did his attributes or something that was done in his presence and he did not disapprove that's a hadith and it can also be referred to as the sunnah tamam so at the end of this chapter the imam he summarizes for us some of the important matters that we learned from this chapter uh, we're not really able to work through the chapter and everything that we covered so far but this has come in a nice manner in that we are able to quickly summarize that which we've already covered firstly that which we learn from the first chapter is the the hikmah the wisdom of Allah in creating the jinn and mankind what is the wisdom of Allah creating the jinn and mankind Naam. to worship him and to establish his tawheed in the ways that we mention what's the proof for this yes Naam. the verse in the Quran which is from which surah surah al-dhariyat I did not create the jinn no, no mankind except to worship me alone Tamam. we also learn that worship is tawheed when we say or when we refer to al-ibadah then that is tawheed and it is the uh, the point of dispute between the prophets and their their opposers or the polytheists those who would worship others besides Allah and that is because we see as it relates to just our prophet the prophet Muhammad that the Tawheed which was in dispute between him and the Quraysh was which Tawheed the Tawheed of Al-Uluhiyya because the Tawheed of Al-Rububiyyah that Allah alone is the Lord the creator the provider and the sustainer the one who gives life and takes life the Quraysh what was their belief towards this this type of Tawheed did they believe in this or did they reject it did they believe their idols created them no so they affirm that Allah alone is the Lord and the creator and the provider and the sustainer however the dispute with the messenger Muhammad was concerning the Tawheed of Al-Uluhiyyah Naam and so when we uh, refer to that verse or when we look at that verse وَمَا خَلَقُتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I did not create the jinn or mankind except to worship me from the scholars of tafsir those who explained يَعْبُدُونَ as يُوَحِّدُونَ يُوَحِّدُونَ I did not create the jinn or mankind except that they single me out with what? with not with rububiyyah because the, the overwhelming creation they affirm this that Allah is the Lord 
the creator and the provider sustainer but with uluhiya uh, we also learn or we learnt that whosoever does not come with tawheed then he has not worshipped Allah and in this regard has come the meaning of the verse and the imam here he brings the saying of Allah wala antum abiduna ma a'bud taken from which surah surah al-kafirun naam meaning that you do, not, you do not worship with the worship that I worship with because your worship is built upon a shirk you attribute your or you direct action, actions of your worship to others besides Allah although you believe him to be the one Lord and the creator naam uh, and so here the imam he brought this verse as or, or, as a point as a evidence to to um, prove this point here we learn the wisdom in sending the messengers we learn the wisdom behind sending the messengers the messengers why were they sent all of them what did they what did they call their people to to worship Allah and stay away from the false gods. Naam. Kedalik. That the risala ammat kulla ummah. That the message of Tawheed was conveyed to all nations. What's the proof for this? وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهُ وَاتْشَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتُ Indeed, we sent a messenger to every nation proclaiming to their people worship Allah alone and stay away from the false gods. So that verse is a proof for this point here and the point before. The wisdom behind sending the messengers. We learn that from this verse. That the messengers were sent for this to call the people to Tawheed and to warn them from a shirk. And we see that this, this message was conveyed to all of the nations. Likewise, we take that from that same verse. We also learn that the religion of the prophets was one. The religion of all of the prophets of Allah was one. Al-Islam. The, the religion of a tawheed. And again, the same verse used as a proof because وَلَقَدَ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا we send a messenger to every nation. All of them call into this one message, this one deen. And so the, the deen and the religion of all of the prophets was one. Now, um, the seventh matter that we learn is a major matter that the Imam, he says. And that is that the worship of Allah cannot be achieved except after disbelieving in a taghut Except after disbelieving in a taghut what was the definition we gave to the word at-tarot? Yes, Shu'ayb. Shu'ayb, you answered before, right? Let's give him a chance now. Uh, now that I turned to him, he's, he's gone shy. <laughs> you, you were right, you were right. Now, anything? What did you say? Mm -hmm. Anything that is worshipped besides Allah. We, uh, Sheikh bin Baz gave a specific definition. What did he say? Ma'ubida min Ma'ubida min Dunillah Wa huwa radhin 
Mm-hmm. Now, so uh, one of our brothers, Jazawallah Khairan, from our generous brothers, mashallah, he's, um, he's asked everybody to stay behind for pizzas. So it's turned into a pizza night. Now, for the brothers and sisters, all of them together, approximately 9.15. So stay behind, inshallah, after the salah. And we'll all eat together, bi ta'ala. As for this announcement. <clears throat> now, so the definition given or the explanation of a ta'ut that was given by Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz rahimahullah was that a ta'ut is anything that is worshipped besides Allah whilst being pleased with that worship. Now, and so by that definition, we gave two examples. We gave two examples of a ta'ut. Iblis. Well, I think we gave three. Yes, Fir'aun. And Nimrod we gave. Nim- who's Nimrod? Nimrod. Hmm? The, the, the king in the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Tamam. And we gave examples of those who are worshipped but they are not pleased with that worship. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi he is worshipped. There are those who worship him. There are those who turn to him and make dua. Yani to, uh, uh, and they ask of him, seek his aid. Naam. Anybody else? Isa Alayhi Salaam. Jesus, the son of Mary. Ali. And anybody else that is worshipped. Naam. Naam. Uh, and so the Imam here, he brings the verse, فَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِالطَّاغُوتِ وَيُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَى Whosoever disbelieves in uh, the ta'ut, the false deities or the false gods, and believes in Allah, then he has grasped the most trustworthy handhold. Now, uh, the eighth point is, ta'ut is inclusive of all that is worshipped besides Allah. So we, we gave uh, a slightly... Uh, different explanation and we said that Ta'ud can encompass everything that is worshipped everything that is worshipped even those prophets that are worshipped they are Ta'ud from the perspective of the, يعني, them being worshipped although we know yes they are, they, are, they are not pleased with that worship or that, that worship is directed to them now the ninth matter is the great importance of the three clear Established verses in Surah Al-An'am with the Salaf. In them are ten matters, the first of which is the prohibition of a shirk. And we covered that during the, or during, uh, the lesson when we went through this first chapter. Kedalik, an important matter that we learn is the clear established verses in Surah Al-Isra. Allah began them with his saying, uh, set up not with Allah other any other ilah, any other God, or you will sit down reproved, forsaken in the hellfire. And he sealed them, those verses, with his saying, and set not up with Allah any other ilah, any other God, lest you should be thrown into the, into, into the fire and into hell, blameworthy and rejected from Allah's mercy. And Allah, he turned our attention to the greatness of these matters with his saying 
that is what your Lord has revealed to you of hikmah, of wisdom. Because within these verses, uh, we find a number of matters that Allah has, has, uh, has ordered with. Now, the verses that the Imam he brought here, we saw that those verses included not just the right of Allah, that we worship Allah alone, but also that we are dutiful to our parents. We are dutiful to our parents and that we do not kill our children from fear of poverty or that we don't kill any soul without due right. And that, uh, other than that from, the, that, from that which was mentioned within those verses. The verse from Surah An-Nisa, known as the verse of the Ten Rights. Known as the verse of the Ten Rights. Ayat al-Huquq al-Ashara. Allah Taala He began. He began those rights, or He 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 began with His saying, "Wa'abudullah, wala tushriku bihi shayya." Worship Allah alone, and do not join anything with Him in worship. As homework, as homework for whoever likes the challenge of homework, then go back to that verse. In Surah An-Nisa, 36th verse, and bring for us the 10 rights. Bring for us the 10 rights for next week. And on the note of homework, then also, where's Yahya? Where's Yahya? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله What's the Arabic word for homework? Wajib. 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 It's obligatory. Hmm? Now, ten short questions um, covering the first chapter for he or her who wants to uh, take maximum benefit 
from that which we're covering here um, and that which will no doubt help you to ground that which you're learning now and so homework and that is to be submitted submitted next week inshallah ta'ala now so we continue with the matters that we learn from this chapter the, the very first chapter um, drawing attention to the advice of the messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, the advice that he gave at the time of his death where did he take this from the Imam the hadith of hmm? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud hmm? huh? if you go, whoever has the text if you go back you'll see anybody have the text Naam, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud the hadith wherein he said that whoever wants to look to the wasiyah, to the advice given by the messenger of Allah sallallahu uh, and so here we yani, uh, the imam he drew our attention to the advice of the messenger of Allah sallallahu that he gave at the time of his death likewise we learn the right of Allah upon us and so here in this chapter from the important matters is recognizing uh, the right of Allah upon us which is to worship him alone likewise recognizing the right of the servants upon Allah if they fulfill his right the 15th matter that most of the companions were unaware of this matter most of the companions were unaware of this matter and the hadith that the Imam is referring to is the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal wherein he, when he was riding as we said he, he was riding or we, we learnt he was riding behind the messenger of Allah وسلم, on the donkey and the messenger of Allah وسلم, he said shall I uh, he said atadri haqqullahi ala al-ibad ya Mu'adh he said oh Mu'adh do you know the right of Allah upon his servants and the right of the servants upon Allah and if we remember at the end of the hadith Mu'adh what did he say after he, he had learned what he learned she said should, should I not inform the people nas? Shall, shall, shall I not give good news to the people what did the messenger of Allah say to him he said don't tell them why? Because they, begin, they would begin to rely on that. However, the very fact that we have the hadith means that Mu'adh, did he, did he tell the people or did he not? Did he keep it with him until death and die with that knowledge or with that hadith? No, the very fact that we have it means he narrated it. So, did he disobey the messenger of Allah Hmm? because the messenger of Allah said to him don't tell the people but here we have Mu'ad telling the people now now so here at the end of his life Mu'ad at the end on his deathbed on his deathbed from the fear of falling into withholding knowledge then he narrated it at the end of his life he narrated it at the end of his life 
And he knew that that which was intended uh, from the Messenger of Allah was that he doesn't withhold it يعني, completely in an unrestricted manner. Meaning that this is knowledge which has to be passed on to the Ummah. And so uh, Mu'adh, he understood from that that at this point now, on his deathbed, that this was something that he had to pass on to the Ummah. Now. Now. And so many of the Sahaba were unaware of this because at this point when he narrated it, many of the Sahaba had passed away. Many of the Sahaba had passed away. Now. Likewise, we learn the permissibility of concealing knowledge, concealing knowledge for a benefit. The benefit here was what? Why was Mu'adh ordered to not tell the people? What's the benefit in that? So, so they don't rely on their Tawheed alone without performing actions. The actions that Tawheed requires. Naam. And so here we see that it is permissible to conceal knowledge for a benefit. Number 17, it is desirable to give the Muslim news that pleases him. Indeed, this pleased Mu'adh. And so we learn from this, the Messenger of Allah gave him this good news. Uh, and this is something which is desir desirable, to give the Muslim news that pleases him. So many benefits we learn, we learn from, this, from this hadith alone. The fear of relying upon the vast mercy of Allah. And that is clear also. Because uh, the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, he said, No, lest they should rely. Lest they should rely on that. And they begin to rely on the mercy of Allah. And so, this is something that should be feared. Number 19, the saying of the one who is asked about something he does not know. Then he, then he says, Allah and his messenger knows best. Or Allah and his messenger know best. However, this was in the lifetime of the messenger of Allah Because the messenger of Allah was alive. However, now that the messenger of Allah has passed away, what does the person say if he's asked about the matter and he doesn't know? Does he say Allah and his messenger know best? Hmm? Allah knows best faqat. That's all he says. He says Allah knows best. Now, the permissibility of specifying some people with knowledge over others. Sheikh Ibn Thaymiyyah, rahimahullah, he said here, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he singled out Mu'adh with this knowledge and not even Abu Bakr, not Umar, not Uthman, not Ali. He specified Mu'adh with that knowledge. Likewise, we saw the humility and the humble nature of the Prophet ﷺ in riding a donkey along with a riding partner behind him, Radif. Because we see that the norm with many of those who are leaders and in prominent positions, that they have pride and they would see themselves above the likes of this, having someone sit behind them. Oh, some of them may even sit in a car, in the back of the car, and have no one with them in this car. Because they see that they're above others sitting with them, or besides them. Here we see the humble nature of the Messenger of Allah. In fact, Ibn Manda, from the scholars, 
those who who tried their best to gather all of the narrations wherein we find the messenger of Allah riding with somebody else with him somebody riding with him behind him and he gathered together the hadith the evidences and he found that there were 30 30 individuals that the messenger that, that had uh, rode with the messenger of Allah behind on a riding animal to 30 individuals Naam. Uh, Naam. the permissibility of riding behind another on a riding animal again that's another benefit that we take it is allowed and permissible to do this as we said we have up to 30 individuals it's been narrated that up to 30 individuals did this so that is a clear proof even this hadith alone the virtue of Mu'adh ibn Jabal since the messenger of Allah Sallallahu singled him out with this with this knowledge and the fact that he allowed him to ride with him on the donkey and lastly the tremendous importance of this matter a tawheed that is extremely clear from that which we've covered so far and that which is going to يعني, follow uh, in, in the rest of the book and so now we move on to the uh, next chapter and that is anyone know the, 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 the next chapter <coughs> Naam there you are Naam so the chapter that follows is the virtue of Tawheed and what it wipes away of sins. We move on to this chapter. Bab, Fadlit Tawheed wa ma yukaffir min al-dhunub. The virtue of Tawheed and that which it expiates and wipes away from sins. And as is the, the norm with the author, as we're going to see, is he cites evidence for whatever he brings within the chapter heading. And so immediately, he, start, he, he starts with the saying of Allah, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمُ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمَنُ وَهُمْ مُحْتَدُونَ That's the saying of Allah the Most High, those who believe in the Tawheed of Allah, and they worship Him alone. And do not mix their Iman their, their belief and their faith with dhulm yani with wrong and oppression by worshipping others besides him for them for them only it is security and they are the guided and so here Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz uh, whose explanation we're working through uh, the Sheikh, he mentions here that this verse, when it was revealed, this verse, as you can see, it's a verse from the Book of Allah, the Quran. When this verse was revealed, this became difficult, something heavy and difficult upon the Sahaba. And so they came to him and they said, O Messenger of Allah, which one of us? does not oppress and do wrong. And so the Sheikh, he says that they thought 
that the zulm that's mentioned in this verse, as you can see, وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمِ that this oppression is the general oppression and the oppression, any type of oppression. This is what they thought. The oppression of sins and so on. And so the messenger of Allah, وسلم, he responded and he said, Alam Have you not heard the saying of the righteous servant? Indeed, shirk is a great wrong. Is a great wrong and wrongdoing. Naam. Who is that righteous servant? Naam. In Surah Luqman. And so here we have the Messenger of Allah explaining the Quran. And so here we see, and the scholars they use this to say that this shows to us that the Sunnah explains the Quran. The Sunnah explains the Quran because here we have a verse which was difficult upon the Sahaba. They had difficulty in understanding it. They went to the Messenger of Allah. His duty was to clarify the Quran. And here is a clear example of that. And he said, it is not as you think. It is not as you think. Have you not heard the saying of the righteous servant? And then he mentioned, uh, the, the verse from the book of Allah. Naam. Thereafter the Imam, he then brings a hadith. And that is the hadith from Ubad ibn Samit. رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من شهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمد عبده ورسوله وأن عيسى عبد الله ورسوله وكلمته ألقاها إلى مريم وروح من والجنة حق والنار حق أدخله أدخل أدخله الله الجنة على ما كان من العمل أخرجا so here we have a hadith from this companion, Abad ibn Samit anhu, wherein he said that he that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he said, Whosoever testifies that there is nothing worthy of worship in truth except Allah alone, having no partner, and that Muhammad وسلم, is his slave and messenger. And that Isa is the slave of Allah. And his messenger. And his word. Which he bestowed onto Maryam. His mother, Mary. And a spirit. Meaning a spirit that he created. From him. And that paradise and hellfire are real. They are realities. Then Allah will admit him into paradise Whatever his deeds may be, we saw in the Arabic, it said, Akhraja. They, both of them, extracted the hadith or recorded the hadith. He's referring to who? Bukhari, a Muslim, as you can see here. Al Bukhari, a Muslim. And so, here, um, just a brief point here on this uh, hadith, because the hadith is clear. But regarding the word Ruham, Min, uh, a spirit from him, then the meaning of this 
is a spirit from the spirits or a soul if you like from the souls that Allah created now it is not like the Christians believe that he yani, he is a part of God or he is the son of God but he is a created being made up of a soul now he differs from the rest of the creation or the rest of the human beings in that he was created and he had an earthly mother but he had no earthly father and when we read here in this hadith and likewise in the Quran that he is kalimato he, the, and his word which he bestowed onto Mary that is referring to what? kun fayakun his word meaning he came into existence by his word be and he was and يعني, he was uh, made up of a soul created by Allah Naam. thereafter the imam then he says walahuma and and both of them meaning bukhari and muslim likewise because he just mentioned the hadith recorded by both of them now he says both of them also recorded from the hadith of of itban anhu that the messenger of allah sallallahu he said فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ يَبْتَغِي بِذَلِكَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ Indeed, Allah is forbidden from the fire. The person who says, there is nothing worthy of worship in truth except for Allah. Seeking by that, the face of Allah. So here, here for a moment, we turn to uh, what our Shaykh, Shaykh Salih ibn Fawzan al-Fawzan, Hafidhullah Ta'ala, what he said, uh, concerning this verse and the verse and, and, and the uh, hadith before the hadith of Ubad ibn Samit the Sheikh he mentions here and this is a very important point my brothers that we all need to understand very important but we're coming to the end now but this point here is extremely important for all, all, all of us to understand the Sheikh he mentions Tawheed Ya'asim Min Al-Khulud Finnar when we understand this, we then are able to understand the likes of these verses from the Quran or the likes of these ahadith with a complete understanding. A tawheed, it protects a person from al-khulud finnar, khulud. Notice there's a difference between khulud and dukhul. Dukhul means what? When we say dakhala. Yadkhul means to enter. Khulud it means to abide forever. Hmm? So Tawheed Yasim min al Khulud finnar. Tawheed it protects a person from abiding in the hellfire forever. Wa ida kanat Tawheed kamilan fa innahu yasim min al Dukhul aslan. If a person's tawheed is complete, then that tawheed will then protect him from entering the fire, aslan, 
Yani, meaning what? From the beginning, he won't even enter the fire. This shows us, my brothers, the importance of perfecting that Tawheed. The chapter before this was what? What was the title of the chapter before this? The very first chapter. The right of Allah upon his servant and the, and the servant's right upon Allah. And that's clear. We've understood that. And that is to worship him alone. Tawheed. The second chapter is what? It's right there at the top. The virtue of Tawheed. And what it wipes away of sins. What's the munasaba? Why did the imam, what's the relevance? Why did the imam bring this chapter after that chapter? Can anyone work it out? I think I might have mentioned in the first, in the very first sitting as a motivation. Because when you learn, when you learn that, that Allah created you and he has a right upon you and you're here for a purpose and you, you come to learn, know of that purpose and you learn it, that is to worship him alone. Once you learn this right and that you have to worship him, you want to know what do you get in return. And you need that motivation. And so here, this is why the Imam, he brought this chapter. Knowing the virtues. Because once you know its obligation, then you want to know of its virtues, its rewards. And from its rewards is that it wipes away the sins. And as we saw from the hadith of Abada, Abad ibn Samit, that whosoever testifies to la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, and he, uh, he, he believes that, or he testifies that Isa likewise is his servant and his messenger, and that paradise and hellfire are true, then Allah will enter him into paradise regardless of what his actions may be. So that there as a motivation, no doubt, is something that motivates an individual. That if that's the case, this tawheed, it comes with this great reward, then this tawheed, no doubt, is something that I must adhere to. And if you adhere, it to, adhere to it in the best of ways and you complete it, then as we're going to see in the next chapter, that if you, if you fulfill the rights of Tawheed and complete Tawheed, then the reward for that is that you enter into paradise that you enter into paradise without being even brought to account and without punishment. And no doubt that is the best reward for anybody. But that can only be achieved by the one or that, that is only given to the one who completes his tawheed. Naam. And so, uh, Sheikh Al-Fawzan, he mentions here this important point, and that is that tawheed, a very important point for us to understand, that tawheed protects from abiding in the fire forever. And if a person's tawheed is complete, then he won't enter the fire from the very beginning. He will not even enter the fire. فَإِنَّهُ يَعْسِمْ مِنْ نَعْمْ The Shaykh, he says, وَإِذَا كَانَ نَاقِصًا But if a person's tawheed is deficient, person's tawheed is deficient, فَإِنَّهُ يَعْسِمْ 
من الخلود فيها. If a person's توحيد is deficient, so he's come with توحيد but it's deficient. That توحيد or those deficient, it will protect him from what? Abiding the fire forever. نعم. نعم. ولا يعصي من الدخول فيها. However, it doesn't protect from entering into the fire. You see the difference? Meaning we're talking about the one who comes with توحيد but his توحيد is deficient. His توحيد is deficient. It will, that, that deficient توحيد that he's come with, it will protect him from abiding in the fire forever. That's what, what, what that توحيد will protect him from. And guarantee him. He will eventually enter paradise. Guaranteed. As long as he dies upon توحيد, but that توحيد is deficient. Hmm? But it doesn't protect him from entering the fire. Meaning he can enter the fire for a duration. For a duration. What's the proof that a person of Tawheed will enter the fire? Yes. All referring to the same hadith. The hadith of the Jahannamiyun. The hadith of the Jahannamiyun. Those who will enter the fire due to major sins. Those who will enter the fire due to major sins. And they will they will uh, they will نعم, they will abide in the fire for a duration until they are reduced down to coal burnt and then when Allah ta'ala, he, decree, he, he, he wishes he will then take them from the fire put into the, they will be put into the river of life and then their bodies will, will return back to their uh, original forms and then they will be put into paradise because of that tawheed that they had. But that tawheed was deficient. But that tawheed was deficient. And because the actions, as we can see, the actions are important. Sins, actions can be good and they can be bad. Those Actions that are, oblig that are good, but at the same time obligatory. If a person doesn't fulfill those actions, carry out those actions, then he is sinful. They are obligatory because Allah loves them. As, as Sheikh Salah al-Sheikh, he mentions that the reason why Allah has made certain actions obligatory is because he loves that he is worshipped through those actions. So they are obligatory. But if you don't perform them actions, then you are sinful. And likewise, the actions that are those deeds and those actions that are haram those actions harm an individual and make his tawheed naqis because if a person's tawheed is complete truly complete and when he says la ilaha illallah if he was truly sincere to that then he would carry out the commands which are the rights of tawheed and he would stay away from the prohibitions again which are the rights of tawheed and if he was to do that, then his tawheed would be complete. However, we say, a person, even if he comes, Yom Al-Qiyamah, with tawheed that is deficient, so he has major sins, he has major sins, then, as the scholars, they have explained to us, that he is tahta mashiatillah. He is under the will of Allah. 
He is under the will of Allah. In if Allah wills, He will punish him. If Allah wills, He will forgive him. What's the proof for that? And we'll end with this. What's the proof? Indeed, Allah does not forgive that shirk and partners are set up with Him. But he forgives lesser than that to whomsoever he pleases. Clear proof that this person is under his will. The will of Allah. Anything lesser than shirk, Allah may choose to forgive. As the scholars say, from the very onset. And Allah, if he wills, a person comes, he's tawhid is naqis, he comes with major sins. But Allah can choose to forgive him and not punish him at all. But he must come with tawhid. Naam. And so with that, we'll, we'll stop there at that point. And alhamdulillah, we thought that the, we feared that the numbers would drop. Because usually at the beginning of a book, everybody's excited. They want to go through the book. They want to, yani, they want to say, yes, we started the book. Everybody gets excited at the beginning. And we feared that maybe the numbers might drop, as it does. But we see, alhamdulillah, the numbers are increasing. Alhamdulillah, my brothers, this is what we li- this is what we're breathing for, and my sisters, this is what we're breathing for. This this tawheed. we've been created for this. We breathe for this. We exist for this for no other reason, and so it is imperative that we learn this topic and this book in a way that we've not studied any other topic. Yani, at least once in our lifetimes that we've gone through this book and we've understood it. In, in, in a, with a good understanding and our children our, our wives, our children our partners that we understand and we, that, we, that we continue with this and we don't make it something which we, 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 we have this desire to learn for to, to, that we have this desire to learn and we, it's only shortly lived and then the dunya takes us again takes us away from the likes of these gatherings, the best of gatherings that could take place when we're learning this tawheed of Allah. And so we ask Allah that he keeps us firm upon this. Naam. Innahu waliyu dhalik wal qadra alayhi wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa ajma'in. Homework. Brothers and sisters, don't forget it.